Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Thursday, October 19th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in the New York tri-state area. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm David Escobar. And I'm Emma Murphy. And here are today's headlines. Governor Hochul is in Israel today in what her administration is calling a gesture of solidarity for the country during its ongoing conflict with Hamas. Besides offering her support to Israel, the governor is calling on Hamas to free the over 200 people it's taken hostage, including a few New Yorkers. We stand in solidarity with Israel. Our number one priority is to make sure we can get the people home who've been taken hostage, and that has to be the unifying voice of all civilized nations to call for the return of these hostages safely, but also to say, we defend your right to defend yourself. In a statement on X, Hochul said she's met with the Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, to reaffirm New York's support for Israel. But Hochul isn't the only New York politician showing their support for Israel. Mayor Adams is expected to speak at a rally in Times Square, where protesters will call on Hamas to release its hostages. This comes just a day after a heightened threat alert from the NYPD, which warns that there could be violence around the city due to protests or attacks. Tonight's rally with Mayor Adams will begin at 6 p.m., and later tonight at the White House, President Biden will address Americans about Israel and Ukraine. That's according to two administration officials. They said Biden's speech is his way of making a direct appeal to Americans about continued support for the two countries. The speech comes the night before the White House plans to request Congress upwards of $100 billion. That's so the U.S. can deliver aid to Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and the U.S. southern border. However, the likelihood of this spending outline being approved is unclear. The NYPD is starting to monitor body cam footage more closely with the help of an AI software. The force has reportedly bought the software from Trulio, which reviews body cam footage and flags any insults or profanities. It also records positive interactions and then labels the police-civilian interaction as either professional or unprofessional. Currently, less than 1% of body cam footage is reviewed every year. The hope is that this software will give the public more confidence that the police are held accountable for their actions. But some members of the force are already voicing their concerns about the technology. They worry it'll drive more people away from wanting to become cops. Civil rights groups also have privacy concerns. They've questioned Trulio about how private information is recorded during police interactions, like names and addresses. But the company says the software is trained to only focus on officers' behavior. United Airlines is giving priority boarding to passengers with a view. Starting at the end of this month, economy passengers with a window seat will get to board their plane before other flyers. The airline says that they hope this change will help increase efficiency. The company says that since 2019, the time it takes passengers to board their planes has increased by two minutes. So this plan is an effort to close that gap. This year, the public is getting a say in which of their favorite childhood toys deserves a spot in the National Toy Hall of Fame. Five toys have consistently been nominated over the years but have never made the cut. That's the Pogo Stick, Fisher-Price Corn Popper, My Little Pony, Pez Dispensers, and Transformer action figures. They've been dubbed the Forgotten Five. Usually, a selection committee decides on what toys will be inducted. But this year, they've decided that the public should have a say in the fate of these neglected toys. You can vote for your toy pick on the National Toy Hall of Fame's website until October 24th. 
And on this day in 1985, AHA went number one on the U.S. singles chart with Take On Me. music video for the song went on to win six awards at the MTV Video Music Awards. Fashion shows typically consist of models that are a size two or smaller. And despite some change, the fashion weeks across the globe have yet to become body inclusive on a larger scale. WFUV Savannah Mitchell reports on how those in the industry are calling for a change. The world's major fashion capitals are New York, London, Milan, and Paris. And each year in those cities, designers promote their new collections to the public through runway shows. These are put on to showcase new collections to potential buyers, which consists of people ranging from celebrities to the everyday consumer. But fashion shows often lack body diversity and promote unrealistic beauty standards by only showing clothing on extremely thin models. Influencer and model Kitty Lever believes that what is currently displayed on runways sends the message that fashion is not for everyone. There's a lot of young people in the world, and I mean, of all ages, but young people especially that are going to see people walking in these specific designs and based on their size will automatically feel like, oh, this industry is definitely not for me. A movement called Including the Curve, run by activist and model Felicity Hayward, tracks the number of curve models in each fashion week. She reports that out of 13,000 models who walked in all four fashion weeks this season, only 228 were considered curve or plus size. And for international model Grace Bruning, these numbers reflect the fact that some designers don't actually want to make a change. Now it more feels like people aren't using curve models because they want to. They're doing it to hit a diversity quota or check it off the list and say, we did it. That's how it feels now. Designer Kimberly Gordon says she knows why most designers haven't made the switch to be more inclusive. Why are you prioritizing a small body? Why? And when you ask that question, there's really no way around the answer, which is phobic. Bruning says that there are plenty of diverse models from different modeling agencies to choose from, but designers have to carry their clothing size for them to be placed in the show. When I go to these castings, there's every shape and size of curve model there. So then it becomes, okay, well, who do you blame? But at the end of the day, it comes down to the fact of like, the designer has the clothes in the size that they have the clothes. And they can choose to remake it in a bigger size if they want to, and they can choose to keep it on a smaller size if they want to. But it isn't just about the design process. Lever says that casting directors who often work directly with designers to hire models for runway shows often choose models that fit the industry's narrow standard of beauty. Casting directors are making decisions based on what they think will be perceived well and are afraid to go against the grain, even if it's what like the public is begging for. The high fashion industry values exclusivity as a way to gain respect and admiration from the public. And Gordon says this is applied to bodies as well. I think there's something to be said about exclusivity, like people want into things they can't have. So like clothes they can't afford, $10,000 coats, $5,000 shoes. Um, And I think they apply that same mentality to bodies. So if that body requires an excessive amount of starvation or maybe it requires you to be at the age of 14 to have it, you know, This makes it inaccessible, and that makes it look more expensive to them. 
Gordon says high fashion brands that have been around the longest have the most influence, the largest celebrity clientele, and media coverage for runway shows. And that's because they have all the money. They get millions of dollars for runway shows. So they put on pretty spectacular shows and they have um, access to couture and the best ateliers in the business, right? So you're getting some of the best and biggest, coolest shows from these big people and they're also going to always be covered right so like the media is always going to go to those shows that's what you're going to see in the news again and again because all the celebrities are going to go there gordon says these brands need to lead the path forward for inclusivity because it would cause a ripple effect within the industry we really need those big brands on board at fashion week and on the runway because they have a lot of power in the way the industry runs. So if someone like Anna Wintour at Vogue, she makes that choice that it needs to be more inclusive and she, you know, requests that of designers or if the big designers of like Chanel or Dior decide to make these huge decisions to be inclusive, that will create demand within modeling agencies and these models will be scouted more. There'll be more opportunity everywhere across the board. Ultimately, it comes down to designers creating clothing with all bodies in mind and casting directors being intentional about who they choose. For WFUV News, I'm Savannah Mitchell. That was WFUV's Savannah Mitchell reporting on the growing calls for body inclusivity in the fashion industry. And that's our show for today. But check back with us tomorrow, around 3 o'clock, for more news, music, and culture. And as always, you can find more from us at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Emma Murphy. And I'm David Escobar. And that's What's What.